Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Welcome. Good to see you. Merry Christmas to you. It is going to be a really glorious week. I believe that with all my heart. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Let's talk about this week coming up. This coming week, we're going to celebrate Christmas, celebrate Jesus' birth. This is the Sunday before Christmas, if you're joining us by audio or or video podcast. Uh, That means you're going to get to spend a lot of extra time with your family this week. That's what I thought you'd say, something just like that. Yeah, I I heard one of you say, I don't even know why we bother to get together. Everybody just sits there and stares at their phone. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, we're going to go through all this to get together as families, but most of us are still going to sit there with our families that we haven't seen perhaps all year long. We're going to sit there and stare at our phone. Why do we do that? Now, before you say, ah, it's just kids these days, kids do that. No, let me tell you something. Uh, Let me tell you something very important. As pastor and pastor to our teens and children, one of the most common complaints I now hear as pastor about adults, their kids often say that mom or dad always is on their phone. Mom is always on Facebook on her phone. So it's not kids. It's not just kids anyway. This is parents. Uh, It's a whole society of people now that don't know how to be together. You know what I'm saying? Uh, We will all get together for Christmas, and we will all still stare at our phones. But I ask you, why don't we do that? And especially with family. And I think the answer is, and this is kind of not a complete answer, but um, families are hard. And sometimes really awkward. And sometimes absolutely crazy. My whole family's not crazy, but I got crazy parts. You, you, You know what I mean? I don't know what comes into your mind when you think about getting ready for this week, but, but I just want to put it out in the open. Sometimes families are hard and awkward and, and complicated, and maybe your family is very, very complicated. Maybe it's very difficult. I just want to introduce a question for you today, and it's just simply the question of, is there any way it could be different? Is it possible that things could be different for your family? And, and with that, let's go to the Christmas story. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18, and talk about family by looking at the, the Holy Family, the Christmas family, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. I don't know if you've ever really paid attention to how this story begins and continues, but uh, maybe there's some lessons for you this morning. Matthew chapter 1, let's start with verse 18. Th- this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to divorce her quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The the name Jesus means means, uh, the Lord saves. So name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, 
He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Well, just thinking about you and your family and and what you might do to make this week easier, uh, I've come up with several ideas. The first one is you could move to Japan. You, you could. Uh, there's a, a, a very interesting Japanese company that's been in business now for about 25 years, and they do one thing. They do one thing very, very well, but they do one thing. And basically what they do is, is, is rent out families. They rent families. So let's say that you've got a Christmas party at work or, or some sort of get-together where you would like to have a family to go with you, but maybe not the one you actually have. You know, an improved family, a better family. You can rent a family in Japan. You can. I'm not making this up. It costs something like $1,200 for, for about two hours. So it's not cheap. But we're talking about paid actors and actresses. I mean, these are, these are pros. So let's say that you want a wife or a husband just for a couple hours, you know, you know to take to a party or maybe just have dinner with. You could rent one. And they'd be good. Uh, honestly, they would learn just enough about you, your name, where you work. And, 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 and let's say that at Christmas you wanted to rent a whole family out. You could rent grandparents or grandchildren. And, and this company would, would see to it that, that they showed up at your doorstep exactly on time. And when you open the door, they would light up like a Christmas tree. They'd be so glad to see you. They would. I mean, they're paid to be glad to see you. They would be so glad. They would just light up. They would hug you. They would be so glad to see you. You would welcome them in. You would have the most lovely meal together. They would talk to you, and they would ask you how you're doing. And, and, and honestly, if it's a dad that you rent, he'd do some odd jobs around the house for you. That's part of it. He'd do some odd jobs around the house, or maybe a son, if you're in a son. He'd climb up and change the light bulb on the basement stairs for you, that, that sort of thing. And when it's time to go, they would hug you, and they would tell you that they love you, and they'd leave. It would be the best Christmas ever, if you're willing to pay for it. About $1,200, but honestly, how much would, would, would some wonderful family time be worth to you? you know, it'd almost be funny if they weren't doing such good business, they're doing good business. What's that about? It says something about our deep desire for family. It says something about our deep desire to connect with people. But it also says something about our deep disappointment with the family we actually have. Let's just be honest. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes family is difficult and awkward and complicated, and sometimes it's just bad. Some of you right now are are thinking about Christmas Eve or Christmas Day and getting together with your family, and it's going to look just like the Western UofL ballgame yesterday, you know, and you can feel that coming. You know it's coming. Sometimes it's just bad. And I want you to pay attention to, to the Christmas story. I want you to pay attention to what the gospel of Matthew says. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. 
So among other things, this is a family story. This is how Jesus was born. And we're going to talk about his mom and his, and his dad. And Mary was engaged. Betrothed is the word, but betrothed. It was betrothed to Joseph. But before they had come together, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. Now, I don't know what kind of vision for the family that Mary and Joseph started with, but I imagine it looked nothing like this. From everything we know about Scripture, Mary was a really good girl, a really, really good girl. Of all of the girls in all of creation, Mary is the one that God himself would choose to to bear her son. So understand, Mary is a really good girl. Now, when Mary and Joseph met, they didn't know anything about the Christmas story. You understand? They just fell in love with each other as it it were. Joseph was a really, really good man. We know almost nothing else about him except the fact that he was a carpenter and a really, really good man. So Mary and Joseph somehow have met and have somehow become betrothed. It's something like engagement, only it's much more serious. In their culture, being betrothed was, was, was almost being married. It, it, it was being married to the extent that if you break off the relationship after you're betrothed, it's a divorce. It's not just that the marriage is off, the wedding is off, it's, it's a divorce. This is a very serious commitment that they've already made. And you know they have dreams. You you know that they're imagining their family. You know they're imagining their wedding day. You you know that they're imagining what it's going to be like to to, to come together and build a house together and start a family together. And and Joseph's going to be a carpenter and Mary's going to take care of the children at home. They have a vision. They have a dream for what their life together is going to be. But it's nothing like this. It's nothing like this at all. And I know it's the Christmas story, and we all know how wonderfully it turns out. But at this moment in Joseph's life, he has no idea how things will turn out. You know this, right? He has no idea. And if we talk about that sometimes families are bad, this is about as bad as it gets. I mean, you got to put yourself in Joseph's pajamas this night. Because the dream that he had for his family is dead. That dream is over because he has found out that, that his betrothed, Mary, that, that, that good, wonderful girl that everybody loves, Mary's pregnant. And Joseph knows it's not his baby. Now, I, I know, I, I know. You've seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special. You know the whole story. Joseph doesn't know the whole story. All that he knows is that his dream of his family is now gone. And that becomes the question of our day. What do you do? What do you do when your dream of your family is dead? A, a quote from Leo Tolstoy. I think it's the first, very first line of the novel Anna Karenina. He says this, happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. What does that mean? Happy families are all alike, but every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Happy families are all alike. Unhappy families unhappy in its own way. When I think about this, I think what Tolstoy is saying is that uh, there are just so many ways that we can disappoint each other. 
There are just a million ways to disappoint each other as a family. There are a million ways to break each other's heart. You understand what I'm saying? And this is now exactly where Joseph is. I mean, Mary has, has broken his heart. And the question is big. What do you do when the family of your dreams turns out not to be the family you actually have? Joseph had a dream for his family. That dream is dead. And now the family, the girl that he actually has, is nothing like what he expected. What, what do you do? Some of you are in this situation right now. I mean, this is not the way you expected things to turn out. Your family right now is completely off the rails. And you didn't see things turning out this way. And this isn't at all what you expected. What do you do? What do you do that when, when, when the family of your dreams is not the family you actually have? There are a number of common options, actually, and all of these were options available to Joseph, too. I guess the first thing you could do is what a lot of people do, and that is just simply to try to live in the past. The present sometimes is just too difficult to face, so you just try to live in the past. And there is a genuine appeal to that, because you can just sort of live in a world of your memory, you can just sort of take a walk down memory lane and never, ever come back. And that's what a lot of people do. Just just try to live in the past. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know. The ones I used to know. You understand? That's living in the past. That is choosing uh, nostalgia as a way of life. And a lot of people do that. Sometimes I can understand that because you become sort of convinced that all the best days of your life are already gone by. And so to live in the past is to sort of try to live, relive some of the best days. And you're convinced that there aren't any more better days coming. I know a lot of widows and widowers will, will choose that, and my heart breaks for you. It's just that desire to go back and, and, and have Christmas or just have supper with her again, with, with your spouse again. There's this incredible draw back into the past. Or, or maybe for some of us, it's, it's when you had your children at home. I mean, it's just wonderful to have kids at home. And, and Christmas is absolutely different once the kids are gone. Let's just all be honest. It's just kind of no fun for me and Casey anymore. You know, it's, it's the, the twinkle in her eye, you know, on Christmas morning is just not the same as, as the little boy running down the hall in his pajamas. This is different, you know. Our eyes don't twinkle. Yeah, not like that. You just start thinking back sometimes, and you think about the days and your life and your family as it used to be, and it just sort of starts to seem like it'll never be that good again. And so you just choose to live in the past. But here's the thing. If you're not living in the present, you're not living anywhere. I mean, it's just the plainest thing I know how to tell you, and I know in a way to hear this just breaks your heart, but if you're not living in the present you're not living anywhere. You do not have the option to live in the past. It's gone. Life isn't like that. You don't get to hit the pause button and freeze everything in time. It just keeps moving. And you can never push rewind and go back and live it again. You can't. This present moment is the only moment that you have, and you have to be alive in it. If you refuse to live in the present, there's just simply no place else for you to live, no place else to be. If you're not in the present, you're nowhere. 
I know it's hard. But living in the past is, is, is not the answer. And it's not the answer for your family. Even though your dream of your family is gone, understand that the answer, the new dream is not going to be found in the past. It's still in the present. It's still a future you have to look forward to. Some people live in the past. Other people just simply decide to live for their children. Yeah. Y'all aren't going to like this. I'm going to say it anyway, but y'all get ready for it, all right? Some of you with kids, man, you're not going to love this because a lot of us have just decided to live for the children. This is not a way to live your life. This is not a wise vision for your family. But some of us still choose it. And and honestly, it's a temptation. Those little boogers are just so cute. And honestly, when you have a baby and you're bringing it home from the hospital, I mean, it's unconditional love. That baby just looks back at you and thinks that you are just a a, a superhero. That baby loves you. That baby trusts you. And, And there's something about that love and trust, that unconditional affection that comes from a child that's just absolutely addictive. So what happens is we begin to look to the child, begin to look to the children to supply what we're not necessarily getting from our spouse or maybe anywhere else. We just absolutely begin to build our world around the child, around the children. It's a scary kind of thing. It's a really interesting sort of temptation, but honestly, most every family you know with kids, this is how they live now. And it's sort of alarming. Again, this pastor, I can't tell you how many times I'm counseling a couple in trouble. And they'll say, Pastor Tim, we haven't slept in the same bed for eight years. Eight years. What happened? What happened eight years ago? Well, eight years ago, well, you know, our our daughter, when she was born, she never could fall asleep by herself. And so, so the wife started bringing her into our bed. And so then the little girl, you know, she fell asleep in our bed. And then we just never could get her out of the bed. And so eventually it was like sleeping with a spider monkey, and I couldn't sleep in the bed with a daughter and a wife, so I've just been sleeping in her bed. So think, get the picture. Eight years later, this eight-year-old girl controls the house. She sleeps wherever, wherever she wants, and dad is down the hall in the bed, sleeping in a bed with frozen sheets. <laughs> Queen Elsa, understand There's something wrong, Dad, when you're sleeping in a Disney princess bed for eight years. There's something profoundly wrong with your marriage if eight years later you're still in Disney princess land, Dad. Well, we just never could get her out of our bed. Are you kidding me? That little girl this tall, you can't get her out of your bed? You can't move her out of your bed? Well, you're going to hurt her feelings? So she's going to sleep in your bed till she goes to college? No, she's going to sleep in your bed till eventually you get fed up and you leave her mama. That's what's going to happen. And it happens because you let the children control the family. You have absolutely tried to let this child be the center of everything. Let me tell you something. You're not going to like this, but children can't hold together a family that's falling apart. You cannot expect the child to to provide all of the affection, all of the security. You can't put the children in the center of the family. The book of Proverbs says, a child's heart is full of foolishness. (laughs) 
A child's heart, I'm talking about your kids too. You want to think your kids are different, but just ask the rest of us. Your kid is not different. Your kid's heart is full of foolishness. Mine too. We had to put a lock on our commode seat because our son as a baby would crawl over and swish his hand around in the toilet. And then put his hand in his mouth. We had to lock the toilet down. You understand? A child's heart is full of foolishness. And this is probably why your family lives in such chaos. The children rule. Your family is held hostage by all of the tyrannical whims of an eight-year-old kid. You go where the kid wants to go. You watch what the kid wants to watch. This kid runs the house. And the Bible says your kid's heart is full of foolishness. You're destroying your marriage because you're simply letting everything be about the children. Do you know what's supposed to be at the very center of your home? A mom and dad who love each other and and, and sacrifice for each other until death do us part. That's what's at the center of the family. Not the little eight-year-old boy who loves baseball. A lot of people, whatever's broken with the family, they just try to patch the holes together with kids. It won't work. Children can't hold together a family that's fallen apart. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, Mary became pregnant. Joseph, her fiancé, He's a good man. He didn't want to disgrace her. So he decided to divorce her. Now, I am exactly two verses down from where it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. In two verses, you got Joseph already made up his mind to divorce Mary. In other words, for Joseph, walking away was a real option. It was something he considered. And if you listen to the force of what's said in Scripture, he made up his mind. That's what he was going to do. He's a good man. He's a good man. So even though in his mind Mary had disgraced herself, and in his mind Mary's disgraced herself, he's really not going to make this an ugly thing. He's just going to try to have the quietest, smoothest divorce that anybody's ever had. Just, just, just put it away. Uh, let's try to do this. Let's not let it get ugly. And, uh, and we'll just move on with our lives. Some of you have thought about that, haven't you? Some of you are thinking about that right now. Christmas or no Christmas, man. You can't take it. You're done. You're just done. You're tired of her rolling her eyes. You're tired of him coming in late or not coming in at all. You're just tired. Tired of her always being grumpy. Tired of her always being asleep. Tired of him always griping and cussing. He's good to everybody in the world, but he's not good to you. Tired. And it just seems like walking away is the best thing to do. I mean, we didn't have to get ugly. We'll, have a, we'll, we'll be friends, maybe. We'll, we'll try not to fight in front of the kids. We'll just do this, and we'll do it quietly and smoothly. We, it, we, don't, have to, we don't have to fight it out. Let's just, let's just divorce. 
and, and divide it and move. I know some of you have done that in your past, and I'm not at this point trying to condemn you for, for that, not at all. But I want to talk to the people who right now are in Joseph's shoes. It's what you've made up your mind to do, but it's not done yet. Because I want you to see something. Notice, Joseph was a good man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided, decided to divorce, divorce her quietly. As he considered this, as he considered what? Divorce. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. It's interesting the things we do out of fear. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you, Joseph, you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, that's what he did. You see, Joseph considered divorce. But instead he chose to commit. He considered divorce, but instead he chose to commit. Every great family that's ever been is founded on one thing, and, and, and that is commitment. It's, it, it's commitment. I know back in the 70s, the captain and Tennille saying that love will keep us together, but that was a lie. It, it was a lie. Love will not keep you together. Commitment will keep you together. Love will not keep you together. In 18 years of being a pastor, I have presided over a lot of weddings. I've also presided over a lot of divorces. And to this day, I've never, ever seen a couple divorce that, not, that did not say that they still loved each other. She'll say something like, I, I guess I'll always love him. I just can't stand to live with him. I'll always love her. She's the mother of my children. I'll love her, but, but I, I can't be with her anymore. You understand? It's not love that keeps you together. People who love each other divorce every day. It's not about that. It's, it, it's commitment. It, it, it is commitment. And, and this is what Joseph chooses. And it's exactly what so many people these days refuse to choose. We, we don't make commitments well. And it's a societal kind of sickness. People these days don't know how to make promises and keep them till they die. But that's what it takes. This is where the muscular part of your marriage must be, in the commitment part. The feelings of love will come and go. And honest to goodness, you're going to have a lot of trouble. You're going to have so much trouble. And some days you're going to roll over and you won't be able to stand the sight of that person. It will be in those moments commitment that keeps you together. And I'm not talking about just staying together so that you can be miserable. We're not talking about that at all. That is not what God wants for you or your spouse. It's not about staying together and living a life of misery. That's not God's dream for your family. But it does take commitment. And every great family that's ever been is a family that's based on commitment. And let me drive this home to you really, really, really strongly. You can't promise your family won't have trouble. You cannot promise that you won't have trouble. 
That's why in your wedding, you, you, you said these vows, and basically what you said was, I will, I will love, honor, and cherish, and keep you in sickness and in health, in, 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 for richer, for poor, for better, for worse. You understand how that works? What you're saying is, I can make no promises about the circumstances of our lives. I can't promise that we won't see sickness. We, we may see health. I don't know. I can't promise that we'll have a lot of money. We may be poor. I, I don't know. I can't promise that we'll always be happy. We may have to go through a lot of sorrow. I don't know. In joy and in sorrow, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, I promise to love, honor, cherish, and keep you. Understand? You can't make any promises about what that person can expect out of life, but you're making a promise about what they can expect out of you. You understand? So you can't promise your family won't have trouble, but you can promise that your family will always have you. Understand? You can't promise they won't have trouble, but you can promise that they'll have you. And that makes a difference. It makes a difference. I think I could go through hell if I had to. Just don't make me go through it by myself. You'll be with me. I'll be with you. Do you understand? It's, it's commitment. And yeah, family is hard and sometimes really bad really bad but lack of commitment will only make it worse you didn't promise that you'd always be happy you just promised you'd always be together you understand joseph considered this angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream <laughs> i said that early on we don't really know what kind of dream Mary and Joseph would have had about their family. But I promise whatever dream they had, it's gone now. It's gone now. They did not dream that on their wedding day, you know, here comes Mary. Boom, bob, boom, bob. She is going to come down the aisle. I mean, no, y'all. She's going to come down the aisle pregnant. She's going to be pregnant. Now, nobody's going to say it out loud, but everybody in the church that day is going to be thinking, mm-hmm. You understand? I don't have to say these things out loud to you, all right? I mean, boom, baba, boom. She, she is going to be pregnant at their wedding. Nobody planned that. I mean, they can put her behind the flowers in the pictures, but everybody knows. Everybody's going to talk. People will talk. And the thing is, Joseph, man, somehow that's not his baby. Now, now the angel says, in a dream, you see, the angel of the Lord appears in a dream and explains to Joseph how this works, but the angel's not explaining it loud enough for, you know, everybody, the in-laws to hear. You know, people are going to talk. And man, as hard as starting out married life, is, it always is. Now they're going to start with a baby. And if you just keep reading Matthew, it just gets worse, y'all. It just gets worse. Poor Joseph, every time he goes to sleep, every time he goes to sleep, he has another dream. And God's telling him how much worse it's going to get. This is not at all Joseph's dream for his family. But as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now get this, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you. See, he's he's in this. He's part of this. She's going to have a son, and you're going to be there. And you're going to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph's dream for his family is dead. Man, it's not going to be anything like what he expected, but, but, but he gets a new dream. Understand? He gets a brand new dream. And this is what you need, probably every single one of us in this house. You need to discover God's dream for your family. It's not the same as your dream. But God's dream, I promise, is what you're going to prefer. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything gets easier. It may all get harder. It may all get harder. Joseph's life gets harder. But at the end of all of this, I promise you, Joseph would say, I wouldn't have changed anything. I promise you'd rather live God's plan. You'd rather live out God's story for your family than even the love story that you and Sweetie Pie dreamed up together back in college. Understand, you want God's dream. You want God's plan. You want to find God's purpose. Your dream is too small. Your dream is not necessarily everything that you imagine that it is. And sooner or later, if you make your life about your dream, your dream's going to die. Your dream will die, and then where will you be? Because this is where some of you are right now. The the family that you have is not the family that you dreamed of, and you're not sure what to do about that. You just sort of always imagined that that your kids would live close. That's what you figured, that that, that they live on the farm, and and they come back, and they build houses on the farm with you, and you just always expected that. You didn't imagine your kids moving far away. You didn't imagine your grandkids being raised by strangers in daycare. I mean, you just never imagined any of that. But this is what I'm telling you. Sooner or later, you're going to have to give up your dream for your family. You're going to have to give up dreaming about how you wish it was so that you can get on with the business of loving your family as it is. Your kids don't live close. The longer you continue to stay in knots about that, the longer it'll take you to learn to love them from a distance. You understand? You live in the present. You have to love the family you actually have and not continue to wish for the family of your dreams. Joseph gets a brand new dream for his family, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It changes everything. It doesn't change the fact that Mary's going to be pregnant at the wedding. It doesn't change the fact that people are going to talk. It doesn't change the fact that in just a couple of months, King Herod is going to kill every baby in Bethlehem in effort to kill baby Jesus. I mean, it's going to get rough. But, but notice, out of all of this, this boy Jesus, the one that you're going to name Jesus, he's going to save people from their sin. He's going to save the world from its sin. You've got to discover God's dream for your family. Listen to me. That means that you probably need to get control of your kids. 
it means you probably need to get some counseling with your spouse. You need to get on your knees. You're going to have to figure this thing out. You cannot just continue to live in some world of your dreams or your fantasies where your family really isn't what it is. It is what it is, but listen to me. It's going to get much worse unless you discover God's dream for your family and get a hold of this thing. Joseph was considering this, and an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream. Notice the amazing part of this story, really, in my mind, is at the very place where Joseph's dream ends. I mean, the very place where his dream ends is the place where God's dream begins. God's dream begins in the very place where your dream ends. So today, you're thinking, my goodness, Brother Tim, you just don't understand my story. You don't understand my family. You don't understand my lunatic wife. And I don't, I I don't. But God does. I mean, God does. And maybe right now, this is nothing like what you expected and nothing like what you dreamed of. Would you consider the possibility that at the very place where your dream ends, maybe there's a new dream that's about to begin. If that's true, would you be open to it? Would you let God dream a new dream for your marriage, for for your kids, for your family? Maybe your dream needs to end so that God's new dream can begin. Joseph was a good man and didn't want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he decided to divorce, divorce her quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a, in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child within her is conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she's going to have a son. And you're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife. Her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph named him Jesus. Pray with me. Lord, we read this story backwards. We start with the angels splitting the sky with joy and praises, and we read the story backwards. We know that it ends with Jesus. We know that it ends with salvation. Joseph couldn't have seen that at the moment. Couldn't have possibly imagined that things would turn out joyfully.
couldn't possibly have imagined what God had planned for him and his girl Mary. Joseph couldn't have dreamed that dream at all. That dream could only come from God. If Joseph had followed his dream, his dream was dead and he would have divorced her. But he discovered a new dream. And Lord Jesus, you rewrote the story of his life. God, there's so many of us in this house, so many in the sound of my voice, and this is what we need. God, we have dreamed out. And everything that we ever imagined is not the way things have turned out. And God, we don't know what else to do other than to walk away. And some of us are really, really close. Jesus, I don't know. But you know. I pray, Lord, that all those in this house who just simply need a new dream, a new dream for their family, Lord, the, the dream that comes from you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you just slow them down and speak and open their eyes. Lord, there's so many people in this house who could be really happy, could be really happy if they just stop fighting and just stop complaining and just stop killing this thing in as many ways as they can, Lord. They could be so happy. Jesus, give them a new dream. Give them a fresh commitment. Lord, we can't possibly ever know how things will turn out. But you see everything from above, from beginning to end. So direct our paths and fortify our hearts, Lord, so that we don't quit too soon. So that we don't give up before this thing is over. So that we don't give up before we actually see salvation. Lord, I pray for families this week. Some of us will have a glorious week. We will gather around a table and eat a glorious meal with such peace and joy and happiness and contentment. But so many of us, Lord, will move through this wake in bitterness, emptiness, unforgiveness, discouragement, disappointment. Help us, Lord. Help us. If we write our own stories, Lord, it's never going to end well. So, Lord Jesus, you be the author. Rewrite the chapters of our lives, the chapter, the story of our family. So that, Lord, somehow in all of this, your purposes get fulfilled. And maybe along the way, we can find some happiness together. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, for the sake of our families. Amen.